Greetings. My name is Stan Prager from the Regarp book blog, www.regarp.com. Today's podcast features my review of The Making of the African Queen, or How I Went to Africa with Bogart, Bacall, and Houston, and Almost Lost My Mind, by Katherine Hepper. One of my favorite small venues for an intimate, unique concert experience is the Kate, short for the Katherine Hepburn Cultural Arts Center in Old Saybrook, Connecticut, a 285-seat theater with outstanding acoustics that hosts multi-genre entertainment in a historic building dating back to 1911 that once served as both theater and town hall. In 2013, my wife and I had the great pleasure of seeing Jefferson Airplane alum Marty Ballin rock out at the Kate. More recently, we swayed in our seats to the cool Delta Blues of Tab Benoit. On each occasion prior to the show, we explored the photographs and memorabilia on display in the Katharine Hepburn Museum on the lower level, dedicated to the life and achievements of an iconic individual who was certainly one of the greatest actors of her generation. Hepburn was a little girl when she first stayed at her affluent family's summer home in the Tony Fenwick section of Old Saybrook, just a year after the opening of the then newly constructed town hall that today bears her name. She later dubbed the area Paradise returning frequently over the course of her long life and eventually retiring to her mansion in Fenwick overlooking the water, where she spent her final years until her death at 96 in 2003. The newly restored Performing Arts Center named in her honor opened six years later with the blessings of the Hepburn family and her estate. One of the eye-catching attractions in the museum includes an exhibit behind glass showcasing Hepburn's performance with co-star Humphrey Bogart in the celebrated 1951 film The African Queen that features a copy of the 1987 memoir credited to her whimsically entitled The Making of the African Queen or How I Went to Africa with Bogart, Bacall, and Houston and Almost Lost My Mind. I turned to my wife and asked her to add this book to my Christmas list. Now, full disclosure, I'm a huge Bogey fan my wife less so. I recently read and reviewed the thick biography Bogart by A.M. Sperber and Eric Lax, and in the process screened 20 of his films in roughly chronological order. My wife sat in on some of these, including The African Queen, certainly her favorite of the bunch. If I had to pick five of the finest bogey films of all times, that would certainly make the list. Often denied the recognition that was his due, he won his sole Oscar for his role here. A magnificent performer, in this case, Bogart benefited not only from his repeat collaboration with the immensely talented director John Huston, but also by starring opposite the inimitable Kate Hepburn. For those of you who are unfamiliar with the film, What Planet Are You From?, The African Queen, based on the C.S. Forrester novel of the same name, is the story of the unlikely alliance and later romantic relationship between the staid, puritanical British missionary and spinster, a term suitable to the times, Rose Sayers, Hepburn, and the gin-soaked Canadian Charlie Allnut, Bogart, skipper of the riverboat African Queen, set in German East Africa, present-day Tanzania, at the outbreak of World War I. After aggression by German forces leaves Rose stranded, she is taken on board by Allnut. In a classic journey motif that brilliantly courts elements of drama, adventure, comedy, and romance, the film follows this mismatched duo as they conspire to arm the African Queen with explosives and pilot it on a mission to torpedo a German gunboat. Those who watch the movie for the first time will be especially struck by the superlative performances of both Bogey and Hepburn, two middle-aged stars who not only complement one another beautifully, but turn out an unexpected on-screen chemistry that has the audience emotionally involved, rooting for their romance and their cause. It is a tribute to their mutual talents that the two successfully communicated palpable on-screen passion 
to audiences of the time who must have been struck by the stark disparity between the movie posters depicting Bogey as a muscular He-Man and Hepburn as a kind of Rita Hayworth twin, something neither the scrawny Bogart nor the aging Hepburn live up to in the Technicolor print. But even more so because those same 1951 audiences were well acquainted with the real-life 51-year-old Bogart's marriage to the beautiful 27-year-old starlet Lauren, real name Betty Bacall, born of an onset romance when she was just 19. Katherine Hepburn had a long career in Hollywood marked by dramatic ebbs and flows. While she was nominated for an Academy Award 12 times and set a record for winning the Best Actress Oscar four times, more than once her star power waned, and at one point she was even widely considered box office poison. Her off-screen persona was both unconventional and eccentric. She defied contemporary expectations of how a woman and a movie star should behave shunning celebrity, sparring with the press, expressing unpopular political opinions, wearing trousers at a time that was unacceptable for ladies, fiercely guarding her privacy, and stubbornly clinging to an independent lifestyle. She was pilloried as boyish and accused of lesbianism at a time when that was a vicious expletive, but she evolved into a 20th century cultural icon. Divorced at a young age, she once dated Howard Hughes, but spent nearly three decades in a relationship with the married alcoholic Spencer Tracy, with whom she co-starred in nine films. Rumors of liaisons with other women still linger. Perhaps no other female figure cut a groove in Hollywood as deep as Kate Hepburn did. Hepburn's book, The Making of the African Queen, showed up under the tree last Christmas morning, the original hardcover first edition for that matter, and I basically inhaled it over the next couple of days. It's an easy read. Hepburn gets the byline, but it's clear pretty early on that the narrative is actually comprised of excerpts from interviews she sat for, strung together to give the appearance of a book-length chronicle. But no matter. Those familiar with Kate's distinctive voice and the cadence of her signature transatlantic accent will start to hear her pronouncing each syllable of the text in your head as you go along. That quality is comforting. But it is nevertheless plagued by features that should make you crazy. It's anecdotal, it's uneven, it's conversational, it's meandering, and mattingly, it reveals only what Hepburn is willing to share. In short, if this were any other book about any other subject related by any other person, you would grow not only annoyed but fully exasperated. But somehow, unexpectedly, it turns out to be nothing less than a delight. If The African Queen is a cinema adventure, aspects of the film production were a real-life one. Unusual for its time, Bulky Technicolor cameras were transported to on-location shoots in Uganda and Congo, nations today that then were still under colonial rule. The heat was oppressive, and danger seemed to lurk everywhere, but fears of lions and crocodiles were trumped by smaller but fiercer army ants and mosquitoes, a host of waterborne pathogens, as well as an existential horror of leeches. Tough guy Bogey was miserable from start to finish. But Hepburn reveled in the moment, savoring the exotic flora and fauna and bursting with excitement. Still, almost everyone, including Kate, were terribly ill at least some of the time with dysentery and a variety of other jungle maladies. At one point, Hepburn was vomiting between takes into a bucket placed off screen. The running joke was that the only two who never got sick were Bogey and director Houston because they eschewed the local water and only drank scotch. Houston went to Africa hoping to out Hemingway Hemingway in big game hunting, but his safari chasing herds of elephants turned into a lone antelope instead. He seemed to do better with Kate. The book does not openly admit to an affair, but the intimacy between them leaps off the page. Hepburn proves affable through every paragraph, 
although sometimes less than heroic. Readers will wince when, upon first arrival in Africa, she instantly flies into a rage that has her evict the staff member from an assigned hotel room that, to her mind, rightly should belong to a VIP of her caliber. And while she is especially kind, almost to a fault, to every African recruited to serve her in various capacities, there is a patronizing tone in her recollections that can't help but make us a bit uncomfortable today. Still, you cannot detect even a hint of racism. You get the feeling that she genuinely liked people of all stations of life, but could be unrepentingly condescending towards those who did not, like her, walk among the stars. Yet, warts and all, and these are certainly apparent, Kate comes off today, long after her passing, as likable as she did to those who knew her in her times. And what times those must have been. This book is pure entertainment with the added bonus of 45 wonderful behind-the-scenes photographs that readers may linger upon far longer than the pages of text. For those who love the film as I do, the candid moments that are captured of Bogie, Hepburn, and Houston are precious relics of classic Hollywood that stir the heart and the soul. If you are a fan, carve out the time and read The Making of the African Queen. But more importantly, screen The African Queen again. Then you will truly know what I mean. Thank you for joining me for today's podcast. I encourage you to share it in your network. Many more reviews on an eclectic array of fiction and nonfiction books are available at regarp.com and regarpbookblogpod.com. Have a great day.